comedy channel. We have no motto. The comedy channel. You laugh until you stop. Comedy is our middle name. And channel your last name, then, right? Yeah. The comedy channel. Three-dimensional programming on a two-dimensional screen. Brought to you by a one-dimensional person. What the hell? Mottos come and go. The comedy channel. This isn't Russian. But we're always there when you need us. Get the picture? The Comedy Channel. The Comedy Channel. Funny. Free. You are listening to the Constant Comedy Podcast with Art Bell and Vinny Favalli. Welcome to another edition of the Constant Comedy Podcast with Art Bell and Vinny Favalli. And I am the aforementioned Vinny Favalli. And I'm the aforementioned Art Bell. And Art, no surprise that we had to do Wayne Fetterman over two parts. The guy is, I mean... He is the history of comedy on television and in the movies and a little bit of stand-up too over the last 40 years. I mean, it's amazing what he's done. Yeah, he's done a lot of things and he's done a lot of producing as well. I, the Gary Shandling uh, documentary was terrific. Did you get to see that? I, you know what? I did, but it's been a while. Yeah, he did. He we did should it probably with, see it again. With Jed Apatow and, and he did the Don Nickel yeah. show. But he's done so so much. And the funny thing is, is is halfway through a part one of the interview, another interview broke out where he decided to interview us. This <laughs> man who's got so much to talk about. He's a segment producer's dream with the stories and the things he's done. And he like he's like, hey, can I ask you guys some questions? And and they were substantial questions that required deep thought. I think his I think his podcast of us was as good as our podcast of him. It might be better. better. Yeah, right. Well, well, because of the host being him that time. Uh, No, no, he's great and he's a curious guy. And I don't mean that pejoratively like, gee, that neighbor, Kenny, is very curious. Um, He is interested. He's interested in in the world of comedy and other things. And he's a well-rounded guy. And I think he asks a lot of questions of the things that interest him. And and comedy is a big thing. So it's been great to get to know him. You know, this is the first guest that we've had whom I hadn't met, you know? Right, right. This is, I, I didn't the, know. Yeah. We, the, yeah. our other guests like Lori Zacks and Nancy Geller, yeah, and worked we worked with them, right. Yeah. Even though it's been a while and it has been a reunion, even Kevin Murphy, we work with, but, um, this is one we were actually pitched as as a guest. Like, wow, we're like a real talk show. People are pitching us <laughs> guests. Now that said, I think we would have said yes to anybody that <laughs> that was pitching us. But this was a quick yes because Wayne, uh, as you heard from part one, has done a lot. Uh, let's not waste any more time and get to part two. You ready, Art? I'm ready. Let's do this. Back to Wayne Fetterman on the Constant Comedy Podcast. Well, we're here with Wayne Fetterman, who's got a terrific new book, The History of Stand-Up from Mark Twain to Dave Chappelle. Uh, We've learned a lot so far that his Wikipedia page may not be 100% accurate, except the fact that he is Jewish, right? That's so far the only thing we can confirm. I still have the uh, coin collection that I got from the men's club. Did you have a theme for your bar mitzvah? No, I'm I'm from pre, I'm too old for that. There was no- Oh, really? No themes for bar mitzvahs when I was a kid. When did that come in? I, th- I, I think that's more of like kids that like had their bar mitzvahs in like the eighties. I think it started in the eighties. Star Wars was probably a. Big there theme. was a book written. I can't remember <laughs> which about one. About themes was. for bar mitzvahs. 
Yeah, I know well, that book. It's called. Well, I, I can't. No, well, no, no. It was a, it was a novel. Was it Dirty Kravitz? No, no, it was before that. And the guy was making fun of what would become themes in. Oh, really? They oh, had so maybe just it did, started. Or... You know, they had just started to like you know throw oh, okay. some kind of baseball thing into it you know right but he was saying okay so the kid is lowered in a mock <laughs> dugout into the center it was hysterically funny and this the is apprenticeship before... of duddy kravitz is it it might have been the duddy kravitz okay book, so maybe it does know. i stand corrected there yeah. wasn't where i was at temple beth israel in uh plantation florida <laughs> that's where i grew up didn't make it south yet yeah Still yeah, yeah, yeah that should be that your wikipedia that would be exciting <laughs> it's uh, in I, there oh it nope. is i missed yeah. that part i you did debate about the death penalty though that's incredible right did that happen that was in high school that was yeah. in high school yes but on tv that wasn't just a yep, high school that's debate. my first like real tv appearance and it doesn't that tape has been erased uh were you more yeah. like nixon or kennedy were you sweating I was very, or were you cool? I was very sweaty it was, it was very <laughs> nixon-esque um, i was anti-death penalty at that i've since turned but yeah really wow yeah, i was anti-death all right let's not get into that because that's politics. yeah it's stupid stupid oh, it's all talking about my... okay so a name that crops up in your book uh yeah. rollins and jaffe this incredible management team, right? They were, especially Jack Rollins, Woody Allen's managers, Nicholas and yeah. May, Robin Williams. And I love, one of my favorite movies is Broadway, Danny Rose. And I love how how Woody, that was an homage to to Jack Rollins' relationship with Harry Belafonte. But c can we talk about um, Rollins and Jaffe and that whole comedy scene of the 60s? Well, um I don't I mean, I only mention them in regard to Woody Allen, because there was like five comics that start in the kind of start in the village and get the real start in show business all in the early 60s. And they are, excuse the expression, Bill Cosby, Woody Allen, Joan Rivers, Richard Pryor and George Carlin, all in the village at the same time. And they all came from different areas to go down there and start become stand-up comedians all of them made it to the ed sullivan show which was the big show we were talking about it earlier right, right art yep. so uh so rollins and jaffe's client and they had they got they had signed nichols and may so they had the, that was like a, they were on broadway they were the the the, the, the top of the uh, the heap and then woody allen was their next little project and he the, he made a lot of money as a writer and there was like, maybe you should try stand up. And Woody, if you read his books and stuff, he liked he liked doing stand up. Like even in high school, he did like little stuff. So they put him in a club called the Upstairs at the Downstairs or something like that. <laughs> and he was ridiculously nervous and it was painful for months or at least a month where he couldn't even make eye contact. He was too nervous and he would stutter or rush through or look at the ground and uh, but eventually, because I hate to say it, he's a genius. Um, uh, he kind of found a rhythm and then created this persona and then became one of the great standups and then walks away from it 10 years later, like right. walks away in 72 is the last time he really did it at in Vegas. I think he ended it at that Caesar's Palace gig. So uh, but Rollins and Jaffe and then they end up signing Billy Crystal and they had Robert Klein for a while and, and they Robert were Williams. very. Yeah. And then obviously Robin. So they were very, um, they, yeah, they were, they were a thing. <laughs> they were definitely, and, a th and, and they produced 
Woody's movies. Even it after was... they died, they still produce it. Woody gives them a credit after <laughs> all know. these years. I should remind people or, or let people know that Wayne's got one of the funnest Woody Allen jokes. Wayne, could, I mean, could you please? Uh, Absolutely. I Absolutely. Love it's uh, well, it keeps I keep adding years. It's like, oh, it's great. It's, I always do when I'm in New York. It's great to be here in New York because, uh, you know, Woody Allen lives here and he's uh, kind of a hero of mine. And say what you will. It's now been uh, 21 years and he's still married to the same daughter. So that's <laughs> difficult. It's difficult. There's a lot of compromise to keep that relationship going. Like that. <laughs> and you so still what, use a joke. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Of course, he just so updates the year. So what everyone- I is, keep adding years to yeah. it. So Joe Rivers was a big, you know, she, she was a- she, So the five of those, it's incredible that they were all there at the same time. But one of the themes of my book that I want people to know is like before Joan Rivers, there was a Toady Fields. Before Toady Fields, there was someone named Gene Carroll. Like before Gene Carroll, there was someone named Elsie Janice. Like there's always like there's been funny women. Mm -hmm. It didn't start with, uh, you know, Elaine Boozler, even though or 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 Ellen or whatever. So I'm just saying there's always there's I try to connect them all. Like Minnie Pearl, you, know you mentioned Minnie Pearl. Minnie Pearl, she starts in 1940. In that, in yeah. that context, I was like, oh, mom's going. Oh, yeah. I, yeah. I found that comedians always, not always, but comedians acknowledge their roots. I mean, they know that there was comedian, there were comedians before them that were great, who were big influences on them. But I don't think people watching stand-up comedy really kind of make those connections. They don't care for one thing. I think they do it more in music than they do. Right. I was just going to say that. And yeah, as a musician, yeah, 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 yeah. As a musician, you've seen that so often in music, you know, who's the successor to Art Tatum, you know, who's the successor to whomever. And, uh, and that was Oscar Peterson. And yeah. um, <laughs> anyway, but, you know, I just found that so interesting. And um I met, I wanted to bring this up with you. I met Alan King when I was working at, at Comedy Central. And Alan right, King. Right, he did the Inside the Comedy Mind. Inside the Comedy Mind. All right. Anyway, yeah. what I, year did that start? What year is that? Eh, it's got to be 94, 95. Oh, so right towards the end. Yeah. For you and it, it was only on for a couple seasons, right? Right. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And anyway, and I met, it's really I'm, good. The one with Bob Hope is incredible. I don't know if you've great seen shows. They, they are. That's, he went out to visit Bob Hope and it is really, it's really good. I'm sorry, I'm just looking up one thing in my book. Keep going, keep going. Okay, so what I was going to ask you, I, when I met Alan King, that was for me like the supreme moment in my comedy life. And now I'm not a comedian, but right. you know, I was a big, huge fan of Alan King's. He, he was the first guy who really cracked everybody up in my room. Now I was eight. My father was there. My kid brother was there. We just thought he was the funniest guy on earth all of a sudden. And then to meet him, I was, you know, I, I didn't typically gush when I met guys, people famous, but with him, I was like, oh my God, I can't believe I am meeting you. Was there a similar experience for you in your, in your career? The comedian I met that like I Don lost. Just somebody who's an influence, you know, just somebody who's like, oh my gosh, I, I watched you when I was a kid and here you are. Um, well, yeah, there's, I mean, numerous guys. There's okay. almost too many. There's almost there wasn't one where I was. Uh, I get, you know, in a way, I, you know, I got to play Gary Shandling's brother on Larry Sanders show. So that was like a big thing mm -hmm. for me because I always I just liked his creativity quite a bit. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. Uh, 
I, I met Edgar Bergen when I was a Did kid. You? Wow. Yeah. Yeah. And I was, uh, I, like I said, that was one thing you got right, but to get the years wrong. The, oh. I did do ventriloquism in high school because I was too afraid to do stand up. I'm a fear based person. I don't know if you know that. I did stand up on Letterman in 82 as, as a ventriloquist. Oh, you did? Yeah. Making fun of ventriloquism. Well, I, I was the only one that used his lips. <laughs> so, well, let, me ask, uh, let me put the question a different way influences on Wayne and we you know we typically ask okay that's great but because I do a lot of music in my act I used to play the electric ukulele you guys mm -hmm. put that on Comedy Central I yep. used to, I play piano in my act now um, so I really like the music comedians so the ones and some you're gonna heard of and some I bet you've never heard of like Victor Borga, obviously. We talked about him. Before we he came we on. talked about him before he came on. He said he doesn't get enough respect. Yeah, he wasn't in the book, was he? Or was he? Oh yeah, oh, yeah. He has the longest running Broadway show in the history of Broadway. More, longest running one man show in the history of Broadway. Incredible. Okay, yeah. So he was an influence. He was a big. He influence. was an influence. Um, there was a guy called Pete Barbuti who was a Vegas yeah, actor. Sure. He used to show up on the Tonight Show. Interesting. Rock on tour. Yeah. Rock on tour. Yeah, just great. He used to do great stuff. There was a local comedian. He did a he did like a, some late night. Kelly Rogers, who used to work at uh, he was. But there was a guy and there's a new clip of him up online that I love uh, called Roger Ray. You've probably never heard of him. He was like a Sullivan era act and he played the xylophone. And but it was all just his big joke was when a joke didn't work, he used to go, uh, that's what I like about this job. I don't bother you. You don't bother me. <laughs> <laughs> Just like really like acknowledging, you know, the, the breaking down what the standup was. Right. So I really liked uh, Roger Ray quite a bit, quite a bit. So those are, those are some of the ones. And then I, you know, I hate to say it, Seinfeld is like a big influence on all, you know, a lot of, in the way that Klein was an influence on him, I think. And Bill Cosby and, was an influence on, on Seinfeld, too, I think. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, obviously, watch that yeah. movie, Comedian. He gushes over Cosby. Mm -hmm. um, and I would, yeah, I'd say those are the way Shanling thing. And probably, you know, indirect way, Carson. Like the, the cool, the cool, because I, I just think of who I've seen do more stand up than Johnny Carson. And luckily, believe it or not, I got to see him do an, his act in the late 70s and at the Sunrise Musical Theater. What was his act like? I mean, how well, it was interesting. Well, uh, Phyllis McGuire opened from the McGuire sisters, one of the and then thing. And then he comes out, Johnny Carson wears a tux. It was like, it's great. And I couldn't believe and we were pretty close because we had moved down. And I couldn't believe like I used to say, there was the, the only thing between me and Johnny Carson was air. Like I was like, that's like, nice. I couldn't believe it. It's like Johnny Carson. And, and then he did, he wasn't, he did, it wasn't like a topical. He did some local jokes of which I learned from him. I had to do that. You do jokes about like the theater and the city. Cause it was like a kind of a, a mafia kind of guy was the mayor of the city. So he did all of that kind of crowd loves him. But what it really was taken and he did stories of growing up in Nebraska and getting laid in the back. So there's a little adulty more than you would see on the tonight show. But after he comes back, good night. They go, you know, dun, 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 dun. They, he leaves and then he comes back for his encore. His encore is an amazing bit about an hungover kid show host who is, and it's done to a recorded tape. Like there's a tape. So it's like, 
hey, boys and girls, like, hey, captains, whatever. And but it all reverberates. And he's like hitting the table. And he's like, wow. Like, and it did. And it kills. It kills. It was a really beautiful, like, like very well crafted comedy bit. And that was it. That that's what I remember. I wonder who but, wrote his. Uh, do you think his, he used his TV writers or do you think? I don't had... think so because it wasn't like topical stuff. Like he mm. didn't use Mul. I don't. They didn't sound like Mulholland Mul jokes or all of those yeah. th that told those guys. But he might have. Yeah. He might have like repurposed. But most of it. And this was the. This is the sad part about writing for late night is that most of those monologue jokes, ninety nine point nine percent are disposable comedy no i know that i know that from yeah my years there and, it's and it really hurts me a little it's just like because of the amount of effort you put in to put mm -hmm. together a a topical monologue that lands it's, it's really hard as you know so i'm just like wow this is there's no <laughs> this is nothing there's no shelf life it's like a newspaper you know it's like we can't that's what i at least like about stand-up it's like if you have a stand-up but it can, it can live on people still know and it's not i don't know if it can live on more than 50 years but it can have a little bit of it people are still quoting carlin bits that he did you know right. in the 90s one of the one of the brilliant things i think that letterman did was uh he downplayed the monologue and shifted 10 jokes to the top 10 list which yeah, was well, essentially the monologue and at least that had a longer shelf life like you could, you could Still, make a books yeah they sold you books could do books that. and you and yeah. you people finally remember you know things yeah. that almost rhyme with orange or stuff like that you know yeah i know this yeah those lists were i mean that was the dream to tell you the truth that was the uh the mission statement when i worked at late night with jimmy Fallon. i was like we need a top 10 list we right. need something we can a refillable bit that you can easily write to and so that was a gene whoever came up with that I, I think it was Steve o O'Donnell, I think, oh, was one Steve of the people, which I remember NBC wanted to not let, let Dave use it when he came to CBS by claiming intellectual property. Oh, yeah, yeah, I remember And Steve that. said, no, I stole that from I stole that from USA Today. <laughs> you, oh, you know, sorry. we stole that already. Uh, and, well, let's talk about a little bit about the Fallon uh, years or the, you were the head writer and you launched I was a head monologue writer. Head okay, monologue. that but that show right out of the gate was. No, we was, were pretty was, good. But we also, I will say this. Not to take anything away, I felt like we were lucky in in a couple of regards because that happened at the exact moment that Leno was stepping down and then Conan was taking over and then Conan didn't work out and then Leno came back and Leno was at right. 10 o'clock. I don't, or do you remember any of this? Yeah, it was vaguely. like, that, it was I lived whole, it. It was insane. It was a whole crazy thing. And so, uh, uh, so there wasn't a lot of attention on us. So it gave us time to kind of ah, get our footing so nice. a little bit, yeah, you know, right. and we had and, you know, we had the roots. I thought we had a great band and mm -hmm. I think that helped quite a bit. And then eventually Jimmy found it, you know, we found our footing. So the spotlight really wasn't on us because everyone was like, what's happening with Conan? What's happening with Leno? What's, you know, right. It was ugly going with everything yeah. else. Yeah, it was it was pretty bad, but I have a question for Art. Am I allowed to ask okay. him a question? Yes, please. Yes. Looking back, and I haven't read your book. It's called Constant Comedy, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah. Don't don't rub that in anymore. Okay. Uh, is it? <laughs> Hold the book up. What do you think? Like looking back, just I'm always curious, and not in a like. Do you think like there was any like mistakes you made? They were just like, oh, that was a real moment. We could have done this. 
but for a number of reasons, it didn't happen. And not in like, I'm just curious because I have a lot of regrets in my life. You know, the, the mistakes, <laughs> by the time we were actually doing comedy, I felt uh -huh. that I felt personally responsible for the channel more than any other job I ever had because I pitched it, they did it. Now there's 400 people, you know, working and stuff. But remember the 400 people were comedy professionals. The, the big surprise for me walking into that job was I wasn't a comedy professional. Stu Smiley, who was the head of HBO comedy programming at the time, who was teamed up with me. First thing he said to me, what do you know about comedy? And he probably said that every day for the next six months. Not, really. you know? not in a nice and, way. <laughs> and not in a nice way. Like, hey, kid, do everything I do. I'm going to teach you. No, it was really a closed club. Eddie Gordetsky, the, the head yeah. writer, yeah. the head writer of comedy, uh, comedy channel, who is a he's a brilliant writer, a brilliant guy, you know, um, and did wonderful things. He just, he, you know, he just didn't, he and I just didn't get along and I loved him, but he right. didn't love me. Let me just oh, put it that way. And that it was, just, it was very hard for me. Yeah. So I would say that of my mistakes, they were just rookie mistakes. Like oh, okay. I, I didn't really understand how to deal with talent, even, you know, even when I got to Comedy Central, I was still a little rusty on it. As a matter of fact, one story I tell in the in the book is about, you know, we we had Bill Maher pitch us his show in a diner. So I thought, oh, this is great. Bill Maher, you know, he's going to be a pal of mine and everything, uh, which he wasn't. But, you know, we did a I did a marketing campaign for Bill Maher's show because it, it was great. And I showed it to everybody but Bill Maher. And the reason I didn't show it to Bill Maher was I knew Bill at that point. I said, if I show this to Bill Maher, we're not going to have a campaign. He's going to say, I hate it. Start right. from scratch. It took us three months, you know? And so I didn't show it to him. So the campaign breaks and I get a phone call from Bill Maher. And he says, uh, Art, I saw that campaign. If I did my job as badly as you do yours, you would cancel my show, right? I am having you fired. I've made phone calls. I'm having you fired. Now, what was I the joke, by the way? I, realized, was, I don't remember. What was the campaign? I mean, Come on. It, it's was, in the it was, no, it was an outdoor campaign. I don't remember. What, right. Something about is this guy's head pointy or something okay. on a bus side. Anyway, so the, the, um, the, the next call I got was from Nancy Geller, who we had on the show, who was producing Bill. Oh, you had her. Oh, she's yeah. amazing. Yeah, yeah, she's oh, my great. God. We had so much fun with her. And, you know, I was still reeling from, oh, my God, I'm going to get fired by him. And she says, Art. And she's, she was, you know, we we're friends. She said, Art. You really screwed that up. You really should have showed shown Bill the campaign. And I didn't even argue with her. I said, you know what? I got it. I got to figure I'm out sorry a better if I brought, way. Now I feel bad. Like I, again. I'm oh, sorry. it's in it's the book. A, He's already monetizing it. It's in it the, the book. <laughs> yeah, monetizing it. Um, yeah, you know what? It it was. It was. Right, I have another on. question for you. I have okay. another question. If I'm not mistaken, early on, Penn Gillette was the voice. He was the voice. Yeah. yeah. Well, how did that happen? Have you had him on your podcast? I, I, I will tell you the whole thing. We had an on-air promote. We had an on, and we'd love to have him on, but we, we can you get to him? We 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 had an on-air promotion department, which was made up of really really funny people, people who loved comedy, like Mark Chusid, great stuff, Mark Chusid, mm -hmm. um, and Ken Olshansky, and they came into my office one day and they said, you know, what we need a voice of the network. I said, hey, that's a good idea, and then they said, and we know who it is. And Ken said, it's Penn Jillette. We got to have Penn Jillette because his voice is so great. And it's so yes, funny. Yeah. I I, and, and what year is this? 2021. I still remember it. Yeah, sure. I, it's uh, unbelievable. Yeah. Well, Penn for years would say, you know, people come up to me and he said, and they'd say, say it, go ahead, say it. 
here at Comedy Central, you know, and that was that was what he did that. And, and the at Comedy Central was something we really drove home because we wanted to be a place. We wanted people right. to think of us as like this comedy factor. This is, it gets, you know, if you think about it, before hashtags and Twitter, you're an at. Yeah, at that's, at. Right. that's right. Oh, wow, that's we right. were the first we ones were, there, Art. Well, that was, that was a Pat big, pending. Big and you know where I got that? You know where we got that? <laughs> Monetize. Mad <laughs> Magazine, you know? Mad Magazine. No, the tell me. Of, what do you mean? At the Mad source Magazine? Of all com- no, no, no. Well, no, they didn't say at Mad Magazine, but they said, they always said, you know, uh, come to our, our headquarters where you'll see oh, our writers okay. working. And then they show a picture of all the writers with the head on their desks. Oh, right, you know, right, like right, sleeping, right. Joffy sleeping, Al, Al Jaffe sleeping. And um, I just thought that was the coolest thing, that there was a place where these where people thought they could go to see where Mad Magazine was put together, right. which I guess it was. But that's what we wanted to be. Are you into Mad Magazine? Mad Magazine, the source of all comedy in America. Yeah. I know that's a big that's a big thing, but... Yeah, Mad Magazine was so incredible. great. Incredible. And the paperback, you know, I love the books, the paperback version of it. The whole thing was incredible. You know, uh, one of the writers, Arnie Kogan, he's still around. You should yeah. talk to him. Oh, I'd love to. Snappy answers to stupid questions. I used to quote that for years. Yeah, yeah. You know, like, uh, uh, I can't quote it now. Right, oh, yeah, right. guys on a, guys on the roof putting in, in an antenna. Is, are you putting up an antenna? No, a washing machine. We couldn't find a better place for it. You know? <laughs> right, it's all sarcasm. It's all New York sarcasm. And, and the other thing, which I got to mention, because Vinny and I took, took advantage of this, yeah. was whatever, things we'd like to see. We you remember that whole that. thing? Oh, okay. right? yeah, yeah, yeah. We did, Vinny and I did a book called Websites We'd Like to See. Websites. Before website the internet was really a thing. Yeah, yeah. Because and Mad Magazine and then National Lampoon, of course, of course, and yeah. and the amazing thing and National Lampoon, I think for me broke through with that death. Well, I loved all her stuff. Death, the death issue. Do you remember that? Yes. Yeah. You know, buy this magazine or we'll shoot this dog. Get this dog. Yeah. Which I wanted to ask you about. You know, when when people say where does comedy come from, the two <laughs> things come up. You never get that question. It's such a weird question. No, no. <laughs> do you, but do you how, get that? How question? could anyone possibly answer where does comedy come from? <laughs> Go so, ahead, let me hear it. Let me hear. Sex and death. Come from? Sex and death are the two part of it. Yeah. You know, so many guys, and everything in between. But uh, what about what about uh, Brenner's joke about the the sign? For the dog, that's neither yeah. sex nor death. It's blind. no, no. But I'll t- no. I will tell you where the sex part comes up, and I, yeah. this is a me too moment. I'm sure. All right, tell us about sex. I'm gonna fire myself. <laughs> oh my god! <laughs> I'm gonna take myself off this the. This is air. how somebody gets Which, fired. Okay, Here we go. Can I? Can I talk? Okay, so <laughs> I think it was Christopher Hitchens who said that women can't be funny because men have to be funny in order to get women's attention. So they can, you know, get dates or that's the theory. Oh, that's not but what that's our theory. That's the sex part of it. The death part of it is, oh. you know, that's the most horrible thing that we get to think about. And if we don't laugh between now and then, it'll okay. overtake All us. Right. Okay, that's my answer. Because people do ask me now, you know, since the book, like, so comedy. Well, how did that work? And I say it's it's human. Because of those two things, it's human. It's. Part I think of our- there is some truth to that. I hate to. Say, I was mocking you, obviously, but I do I think noticed. there is some evolutionary truth to like that. But not all guys have to be funny. Some guys are just wealthy. <laughs> okay, but that's guys, that was that's, incredible. That's, there's a whole joke. There's, there's a whole. There's thousands of jokes 
about that that could stem from that comment because how many times the you know you see see some guy get out of a car you know he's 97 years right, old right. and his wife gets out she's 27 you know and you just say okay this guy doesn't have to be funny he doesn't have to be anything because he's rich but um you know funny helps i think funny helps it does help it helped me when i was a kid oh yeah until you got to comedy central and then people are like, you don't, the you. <laughs> you don't know anything about comedy. You don't know anything about comedy. You're like, um, guys, I only came up with the idea of a network. Uh, I yeah. guess I, sorry, sorry. Yeah. I only came up with this idea where everyone's working <laughs> and still going strong <laughs> in 2021. I guess maybe I do know a little something about it. That's me doing you. Talking to I like it. I recognize myself. Yeah, yeah, yeah. When did you realize you were funny? Early on, early early on, but more in school than at home, believe it or not. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And I've been, you know, I'm working, I don't know if you know this, I'm working on a new documentary for George Carlin for HBO. Oh, you're working on that one. I heard yes. about that. Gail Berman. Gail was Berman she involved was in that? No, she's working on a movie. Oh, she's doing a she's movie. Work, yeah. She's doing the movie. She's yeah. No, movie. this so is the Carlin's, documentary. Carlin's going to be making a comeback here. Oh, well, deservedly so. Well, exactly. And then, yeah. So it's, uh, so anyway, I've been, you know, so now I know everything about this guy's life. And early on, he's, you know, he's a latchkey kid, like his dad left or, you know, because alcoholic and says so mom had to work. So he but he would go to his mom's work and entertain her and her friends at work. And he was just talking about the affirmation he would get and the approval he would get. And so it was like I was then I was thinking about my early life. It was like, oh, yeah, I think I like that vibe also as as a kid, because I was the youngest of four kids. And then my mom, my dad died and then my mom remarried and there were two other kids. So I was kind of lost in this like whirlwind that was going on. And so I think I liked kind of the approval and the attention that I really got at school. So I knew like teachers were the ones that encouraged me to go into stand up. It wasn't my family. that early. Wow. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. That's amazing. I just had a knack for it. I just had, yeah. and if I may pat myself on the back a little bit, I was funny in school, but I wasn't really disruptive in school. Like, I felt like there was kids that were sort of, like, it was easy to make kids laugh in school, but it was a little more difficult to make the teachers laugh and the kids laugh. And so, like, that's what I was aiming for. In the book, you talk about tumblers and crowd work. Yeah, where where did you fall in that in school? Like, would you tumbler would be over the? No, time. I wasn't like a physical guy or anything yeah. like that. But no, that was just about what was that great period of the Catskill Mountains. I love that. I love that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But there was other scenes besides the Catskills. I feel like Miami Beach gets ignored a lot in the history of stand up, and and those presentation houses, which were the big theaters in New York that did movies and had comedians in between the movies with these little variety shows. So, yeah, but the, the difference is, or yeah. I, I'm not going to say what the difference is because I'm not sure, but yeah. one of the things about the Borscht Belt was it was accessible. You know, so many people got there and spent so much time listening to those comedians. And as you pointed out, the tumblers were all over the place. They weren't just doing their act at night. Oh, they right. were, you know, they were cool, says, uh, and yeah, trying, yeah. trying to make everybody laugh. Yeah. We saw that in, uh, in that show, the marvelous Mrs. Maisel. Um, but, let's let's focus on the bush belt for a minute because you, yep. you talk about that you talk about mousy lawrence coming back with that ah. name of that I, I saw it by the way and you're shaking your head like oh my god that was the greatest moment it was such a great show 
It was Mousy Lawrence. Who else? Catskills on Broadway. Are you Catskills about, on right? Broadway. Yeah, yeah Freddie Roman. Yeah, Freddy no one Roman. can follow that guy. No one could follow. He had to close that show. That was guy. It was, it was all script. Was it all script? I didn't see it. Was it, was it pretty scripted? scripted? It was pretty Everyone scripted. did their act. Everyone did yeah, their they act. Were doing, they were doing. They were how doing. How did they their connect act. it though? Were they were doing their act? But how did they Broadwayify it? That's not even a word. But no, did they, they just, do anything? You know what? I, I, I mean, I, I'm, I'm recalling it now. I don't know for sure, but it was basically a guy on stage with a mic. You know, it wasn't. It wasn't like there's no backstory. There's no even the transitions. I think we're just like next up is blah, blah, really. Blah. So it was really, is that I, how you remember I, Wayne? I never saw. I only saw the oh videotape of it. I yeah. thought it would be oh more artistic with imagery. Yeah, well, they probably no. should have. I don't know. That's a good question. It but was they in ninety. On it. What was what? The, what was the day of that thing? Ninety five or something? Ninety three? Oh yeah, 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 yeah. Later. It was in, definitely in the nineties. Definitely in the nineties. I, I want to say the late nineties. Ninety five. I think it's ninety five. I, I, I mean, think I can I look back, it up. But. I went back to work and said, we got to do something with that show. Because I remember I was still. And then Jackie Tinkham. Mason was killing it on Broadway, too. But that was way before that. Yeah, right. Jackie. Was, that was, right. that's that's the was 80s. Yeah. But OK, so that leads me to my next question that I wanted to ask. As Vinny knows. Yes. What happened to joke telling in America? It still exists. What are you talking okay, about? OK, talk about it. Talk about well, that. Well, if I mean, you're talking about, about joke comedy. telling, like, uh, like uh, first of all, let, let me. If you're talking about joke telling that has nothing to do with the comedian, that is that's yeah, what I'm that, talking about. That's yeah, what I'm talking yeah. about, because when I was a kid, I didn't actually tell a lot of jokes. But as I got older and started listening to the Bush Bell comics, you know, yeah. on, in recordings, they were telling jokes and they were telling jokes that were stories. And this, you know, it had a beginning, a middle and end. And I used to do those kind of jokes. Um, and now my kids are always like, hey, dad, tell me a joke, you know, and I can remember jokes. Who was it? Was it was it Maureen Amsterdam? Right. used to do a bit on Carson, was it? Where the audience would give him a, a topic, topic and he'd, he'd instantly tell a well, joke. Well, Jackie Martling would do that in later years. Okay. Yes, okay. Jackie Martling is maybe the last my, of my those point is, My point is, I know it's not what stand-up comedians do, but we had Playboy party jokes. They were published in Playboy. I mean, it was part yeah. of the zeitgeist. Where'd it go? I think what happened was that comedians... I, I, it's a good question. I think people were just at one point, just like, I want to know who this guy is on stage a little bit, or this woman is on stage. So I think the idea of walking up and going, so uh, two people walk into a bar and one, and, or a horse walks into the bar and the bartender says, Hey, why the long face? Like anyone can kind of do that joke, but to do a joke about your life, Robert Klein style or something like that was, I think a little like the style of it changed. So I think those jokes still exist True. and, but not really, there's very few standups to do. It's so funny you bring up Jackie Martling might be the last I can think of yeah. that does a, a joke unrelated to their life, completely uh, like yeah. a third, third person. Myron Cohen used to do those kind of jokes. Myron Cohen. Were, oh, I, I listened yeah. to his albums, which is, I know sounds a little crazy, but he did great jokes. Yeah. My those point are great is jokes. when my kids, you know, would ask me to do a joke and I tell them a joke, they'd laugh. I mean, it wasn't right. like a waste of time. Mm -hmm. And there's certainly people who tell jokes better and people who tell jokes worse. I have just been, not that I'm trying to bring it back. I'm not, but I just, you know, something's missing. That's all. That's, That's the way it feels. Something's missing. Well, I want to know what happened to comedy uh, duos. Like, you know, they're still Stone. around. They're still around. Yeah, they've, mean, they've morphed a little. They're not, I mean, there was, there was a heyday in vaudeville with Weber and Fields and they spawned all of those guys, Gallagher right. and Sheen and Smith and Dale and all of those guys. And then later, obviously 
Marx Brothers, Abbott and Costello. And then, believe it or not, Martin and Lewis kicked off a huge team frenzy. Yeah. But I think it was really Jack Rollins act Nichols and May that launched Stiller and Mira and mm -hmm. Burns and Schreiber. And there was a uh, uh, Mitzi McCall and Charlie Brill. I don't know if you remember them. Yep, sure. And they would. Uh, so there was like a bunch of those kind of acts. And then that kind of went away a little bit. And then musical acts like the Smothers Brothers and Cheech and Chong kind of came around the 70s. Right. Okay. So there's always been comedy teams. And then in the 80s, it sort of dipped. There was a comedy team called the Funny Boys that used to work at Catch. And then but now there's a couple twins that do comedy. There's the Sklar brothers and the yeah. Lucas brothers. Oh, the Sklar brothers were yeah, on they Comedy Central. Yeah, they worked with us. Yeah, we yeah. were. Yeah, we, yeah, we that's right. They did their that's show right. about right. their, uh, their yeah. apartment. So, yeah. and those guys, but they're not in the old, old school comedy teams where one guy was dominant and one guy was passive or one guy was trying to figure something out and the other guy. So there was like a, a tension between the two of them. But now comedy teams are more just like two comedians who kind of do act outs. They're almost like the same mind right. doing it's like, like a, one can one can be or they could do little sketches and act right, outs right. and things like that. So it's but they're still around. Oh, definitely. Just not. I don't think as big as it's like a, the and it's a subset. Or Rowan and Martin. Do you remember Rowan and Martin? Yeah, sure. I, I, was, yeah. I, I was I love that you in the book and I love the context that you give with the book because it really yeah. you take us through the decades and the the, the difference between at the same time laughing, which was almost like vaudeville shtick, if you will, yeah, burlesque for TV. Outs, what they and and to then call you had Smothers Brothers, which yeah. was almost a precursor to SNL when you think of some of the people that no were question. writing on that show. Steve no Martin. question. You that could have was... written this book. Like, you know. <laughs> I'm a better reader than writer. Yeah, but I okay. thought that was great how you pointed that out. And the set, there, there was always a divide between the mainstream comedy and then the subversive, you know? And then, and then SNL kind of making it less of a divide right the first well it, i mean it was the, it was a the beginning show. yeah huge. i mean it's just i feel like again but yes snl is huge for a number of reasons but it was on late at night so there was more permission to do what you guys later did on comedy Central, you know on pushing the boundaries especially on drug and sex stuff although they never swore on snl never right. to this day till charles and, and then uh yeah, it was just a new aesthetic. It was just not your what I would what I said in the book. It's not your father's variety show like this was. But it was still if you break it down, it's a sketch show. Like mm -hmm. there's a monologue at the beginning. Like this is, you know, there's music, there's a variety show. Yeah, that all goes back to vaudeville. Like that's all like we give them something different now. And the new segment that they did. That was kind of unique, right? Oh, no, there was not. No, not necessarily the news had happened. And No, it was great. It was done on such a high level. The writer, Herb Sh Sargent, Sargent, Herb Sargent, Sargent was the writer. Right, he used to be Steve though. Allen's old writer. Right, right. Like, he started that thing. But the, there was a show called Not Necessarily. Yeah, you're right. The, oh, excuse me. Not, 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 not necessarily the That news. was the week that um, was? Yes, thank you. Arch comes in. He scores. Art from Bell for things. 10. <laughs> Incredible. Yes. Yes. Yeah, so they were doing that. And even if I'm not make, 
mistake and didn't laugh and do news of tomorrow and news yeah. of today and all of that stuff. It was a way to kind of do it. Here's the news across the nation. Yes. You've got the information. Yeah. Laughing you know the brings song? you the news. I could yeah. sing it, but that would yeah, be. Yeah. Yeah. SNL did it, I guess, repurposing a monologue into a sit down news segment, but it was topical, which was, it was topical. It was a way to do. And it's still one of the most popular things on the show to this day. Yeah, sure. Did one you, of the most popular well, it's things. Set, it's a great set piece. Did you yeah. work it's with a Lauren? great set? Thank you. Did you, Wayne, did you work with Lauren on, on the first year with Jimmy Fallon? Oh yeah. Yeah. Was he hands on a little bit? I would say he was there. I met with him in his office and we talked about the kind of jokes we should write for Jimmy that he has this kind of effervescent personality and the, shouldn't be too dark. And one of our writers is uh, Anthony Jesselnick. I don't know if you know this. Sure. Comedian, yeah. But he's, He's a pretty dark guy. So mm -hmm. it was uh, it was just fun. I mean, it was I, I was thrilled to meet Lauren and that he knew my name it was ridiculous. Considering was, yeah, you he wrote on laughing. He was yeah. a, one of the writers on laughing. Yeah, you mentioned that in the book. I didn't but he know told that. me this incredible story of like when he came down from Canada, you know, he used to be part of a comedy team and like he was a performer for a while. And then he saw the Jack, he saw a taping of the Jack Parr show in the same studio in 6B in in Rockefeller that's where letterman was too i believe or no he was in 6a he was right in across. 6a 6a so get it right jesus come on guys <laughs> sorry we've made mistakes on the show i'm you kidding know, i have I'm made kidding. mistakes and we don't even take them out i do sarcasm yes we're close enough so <laughs> he uh so he just said he remembered like how excited he was to see jack parr and wow i'm gonna blank on the name of the guy who uh who, who was his side? Who was Parr's sidekick? Who was his oh, announcer? Arthur, no, no, not Arthur Treacher. That was Merv's. No, no, no. He was um, he was on 2020 for years with oh, Barbara Hugh Walters. Hugh, Hugh, Hugh Downs. Downs, thank you. Yeah. So Hugh Downs came out, warmed up the crowd, and he was like out of his mind. This is, I guess he was a teenager at the time, Lorne Michaels, and how exciting the whole thing was. And he said, that's what I want to try to recreate. He goes, I sat, and then he pointed to the seat he sat in. Because oh, I was wow. sitting right over there watching Jack Parr do this show from the studio. And uh, it's just exciting. And like he was lit up talking about it. And, you know, could you think of that guy as like the grizzled, you know, SNL? Yeah, yeah I don't think of him as a funny guy, you know. He's, I know, I know. I've, I've I know, met no. him and he's kind of like, you know, straight. Yeah. But he's yeah. a writer. I mean, he was, you yeah, know, he fun. wrote a lot. of. And it. he would help us out after once in a while. He'd pitch in on like monologue jokes. Oh, and that is so great. That's yeah, that. no, he was. I, I loved. I mean, it was a little to tell you the truth. It was a little intimidating just having him around. But I, sure. I loved it. You know, and we would talk about like old writers like uh, Goodman Ace. Do you know who that guy is? Goody Ace. Uh, anyway, no. for what show? What what was he just? A... He did. He 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 was an old radio writer, and okay. then he wrote uh, he wrote on Burl. It doesn't matter. It was it was an old. Show People will reference. be googling every reference in this episode. Okay, I okay. You. Um, I I just okay. A, a couple more things, that, and yeah. then right, whatever you have. But like, I'm I am fascinated by, um, oh. God, Dice Clay, Andrew Dice Clay. That yeah. I mean, that was crazy, right? Like when he exploded, this guy was selling out Madison Square Garden long before. Yeah, he's the first one. He's the first comedian to ever sell out Madison Square Garden. And he did does it in 1990. And but even before then, I think he did like four nights at the the Spectrum in Philly. Mm -hmm. I don't know if you remember that yep. arena yep. where the yep. Sixers used to play. 
How did he break? What was was it the album? I, I remember. I don't think it was a TV appearance, right? I believe it was. The it was. Album. He, he did uh, partly. It was um, a Rodney Dangerfield that Rodney Dangerfield special, okay. the, not the one with Kennison, but the next one. Okay, that that okay. And so that kind of broke him. And the album. Yeah, I, I think, think he did have be. an album. That is a good question. Like, how was he selling out? I think it was the album. Because I don't I, think he did the Tonight Show or anything. No, like that. no, that's I was trying to figure out like the DNA of some of this because uh, that was right. That I was went, a, yeah, and then he went on MTV and got banned, and and, and with that, right, Arsenio's. Yeah, so uh, that might have helped him a little bit. And that's in trouble, but that helped. I remember that. Yeah, I don't. I don't, yeah, but I don't know. It was just like a friend. There was just a frenzy around mm-hmm. this guy, and he made a know. movie. That bombed. And then he shows up as an actor. Well, yeah, and he's actually yeah. a very good actor. Yeah. Oh my God! Late, in later years in Woody Allen's movie, but yeah. he did Ford Fairlane. Remember? No, that he just did. Uh, what, what did he just do? Star with, is um, Born. Just did Star, Star, Star is, is Born. That's right. And it was great. Jasmine. I mean, two Oscar-winning yeah. movies. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he was a really good actor, and you know, uh, yeah, and he was, was good in Ford Fairlane. And there's another movie yep. he's in, like and some John Hughes movie where he has a little part, so he could act. And then he had like kind of this fall from grace, but he sees, you know, the dice man is no, still I'm, yeah, killing it. Incre- yeah. An incredible career. Yeah, it's fascinating when that stand up becomes an explosion. I mean, Seinfeld was an explosion, but in, in a genre of, of the cocoon of a sitcom, right? That was just, you know, that will live forever yeah. now. Yeah. But I don't know. Do you know what happened with Sebastian Maniscalco? When he, he did two nights. Madison Square Garden, two mm-hmm. shows a night, Friday, Saturday, yeah, sure, gig, sure. $8.2 million gross. It's crazy. I, I put them so, on Colbert. $8.2 million. I know. It's, a lot it's like the who or something. And, and there's it's no insane. overhead there. It's like a microphone and good lighting. <laughs> it's incredible. So, uh, no, it's so exciting. I love it. I love it so much. Yeah, that's why this book, I think, is is a must own for comedy lovers. The history of stand up from Mark Twain to Dave Chappelle. Art, what else do you have for our friend here who we've helped you know, hostage? Just, just something we've kind of touched on several yeah. times, which is the stand up comedian who's a, a great actor, stand up mm-hmm. comedians who become actors. Um, you do both. I've seen your stuff, so you're a good actor. I, great. You know. Wow, what an endorsement, Art. I, I know it's a little so fucking unlimited. Unlimited. One, I'm limited. one I'm scene limited. at a time. It's not like I'm, you know, no, yeah, yeah. You're, you're a very good actor. Um, and you can <laughs> okay. tell when bad actors are on, you know, right. I'm not bad. I'm not yeah. bad. Yeah. Right. yeah. You're, yeah. You're, yeah. you're always additive to the situation. But Thank you. does stand up help you become a good actor? Does, does is that, is there any relationship? Stella Adler. What did you learn from Yeah, you took a Stella Adler, which makes you a hero of mine right off the bat. But really, you remember her? And he remember, dated her. she's like the, she's iconic. She, um, she is to acting what you know. Well, I'll say this: there's many more comedians that can act than actors that can do comedy, stand-up comedy. Right, and Seinfeld, it's much harder. It's much harder to stand up than act, but it's a different kind of part of your brain. To tell you the truth, it's just a different thing. Stand-up is you are in control of everything. You are in the most control and in acting, to my opinion, it's best when you're not in control, when you're kind of just in it and whatever is happening. And you're you're so familiar with the lines that it's you're creating a real reality. 
and you're making story. your character. That was a Stella Adler school, right? That you, you know, you live the character. Well, she was, yeah. Well, I mean, she was very much about uh, being very, no, she was very much being specific and making choices. And, and she would always say your talent is in your choices that you would make. And, you know, serving the playwright. There was, a, she was into a, like a higher level of acting yeah. as social consciousness. Right. But, right. um, you know, I was a little more into Neil Simon. Like oh, that yeah. was more. <laughs> yeah. As was opposed to you, you mentioned that Seinfeld started as Clifford Odets. <laughs> Clifford Odets, yeah. You, you mentioned that Seinfeld started as not a very good actor and got right. thrown off a series. Um, well, that was the great. Scene. That's one of the great stories. And I rewrote it a little in the book to make it a little less harsh. But yeah, he gets fired off of Benson. And he says to himself, or at least he later, he said that he was like, if I ever get a chance to be, I have to be in control of what I'm saying, because I guess he didn't like the lines or something like, or just, and he figured out an amazing, what they call workaround for that little problem where he created a character named Jerry Seinfeld, who's a stand-up comedian. And he could play that guy. That, and he did. And I he mean, it's it one of the greatest sitcoms ever hands, right. hands down wayne right. do you remember ever the diner created I, I completely agree do you remember the diner the was it the flame was near the improv where larry and jerry would often meet do you remember that i don't i don't because i was more of a uh comic strip and catch a rising star okay, comedian but i mean i did sets at the improv but it wasn't like that wasn't right. my home club yeah that was it was a, a diner right near near the club oh really yeah. I love those guys so much. I can't well, tell you. And you, I mean, and you've worked with Larry on, on, oh, that was, that's a career highlight for me. And how does that I work? I mean, it's so, not meeting Edgar Bergen, but it was still a career. <laughs> <laughs> how, how, and how does that work? Do you have like a blueprint for how the, nope. the beats of the scene? No. Yes. Not, yeah. But not even written down. He just tells it to you before and not, there's not like one piece of paper. He's like, here, you have to do A, B, and C. He's right. Like, this is what's going to happen. You have to do this and this and this. Let's try it. Let's see what happens. If I like it, I'll tell you to keep doing what you're doing. If I don't, I'll say, don't do that thing. And, and that scene where you hug him and he breaks your glasses. Yes. Like, do you, do, um, are you getting feedback? When they yell cut, are you getting a vibe? Oh, this is going really well. Or do you just know while you're doing it? Well, I'll tell you, interesting. Before, because it was like, that's an interesting scene because he has to hug me. The glasses have to break. And then I have to blame him for breaking the glasses. Right. So I was like, how is this, What's the logic behind this? So I, I think I came up with a pretty good idea where this guy would think this makes sense. And so I came up to him before we shot. I go, all right, I think I know how to do Don't tell me. Don't tell me. I don't want to know. Just save it. Just surprise me when I'm out there. I was like, all right, all right. So, because he wanted to be able to react to it, I guess, in real time to whatever right. I did. Yeah. So I did right away that that scene was working and he was laughing and it was, you know, again, I mean, I've been so, kicking around since, you know, the early 80s. So it's, it was, a, that was absolutely a career highlight for me. Thank you for, and, and, that and, up. well, it was, it was a wonderful uh, appearance and you were on a couple of times. And so how does David Duchovny come to write a, a, you into an X-Files episode? Was he a, he was fan, a fan of, of my standup? He was a fan of my standup and thought I would be good. And then he, I met him, believe it or not, this is a Hollywood insider thing. I met him 
at uh, Gary Shanley had a weekly basketball game that okay. was part of for over 20 years That's in your Sunday game. And so you I still play basketball, by the way, guys. Still, That's amazing. Well, you're a big Pete. Uh... Yeah, I wrote a book on Maravich. So and so anyway, so the company came up to me, he goes, da -da, they were standing up, he goes, I have this idea for a script. A thing. Can I send you something? I was like, no one's ever sent me anything. <laughs> I've auditioned for everything. You know, it's like, it's like, yeah, you could send me something. You said yes before he got the question. Yeah, right. exactly. Hard. And you, like, yes. yes. <laughs> like, who do you think I am? What am I, Tom Cruise? Can I send you something? <laughs> so, uh, That's so flattering, though. That's yeah, so it was so ridiculous. Like, Talking about great moments. No, my plate is too full right now. Thank you, Art. It was. It was. Yeah. Was yeah. Like, yeah, you yeah. can send me something. Because you think this is good? I was like, yeah, it's good. <laughs> you know, we probably have a million more questions to ask you, but, you know, we're going to have to have you on again. Is all yeah, let's do it again, say. guys. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, would you this was yeah. fun. Thank you so much for reading the book. I oh, love that you guys a, got into it. We would have yeah. without so, this. It was great. Yeah. And please, if you need to cut down this, I know we, this went long. If you need to cut it down, I totally understand. Make it like 12 minutes. No, we're going to, no, we're going to, we're going to take you out. I'm going to leave gonna Mark. Yeah, take me, you know, Mark, talking you know. about you. <laughs> it's an Art Bell one man show. Art Bell is Art Bell. I love it. I love it. Um, but thank no, you for thinking of me, guys. I really uh, appreciate it. It's oh. been great talking to you. I, I'm meeting you for the first time and I, I had a great time. I have to say. I've Thank you. Same here. Same Thanks here. A lot, I do, you know, I do little insults. I hope I didn't hurt anyone's feelings. That's just my. I, we, you know, you I kid because you care. I care. I, yeah. It comes from love. It comes from love. That was a lot of fun, Art. Yeah, no kidding. I couldn't believe there was actually more fun than the first part. Yeah, there was. There was a lot there uh, on Wayne's career. I one of the funniest things was how how I relied a bit too much on the Wikipedia. I got certain things uh, wrong, like where he was born and his uh, when he started his stand up. But, you know, I wasn't kidding when I had Wiki Envy. This guy has done a lot and he's doing more. He's the, the George Carlin documentary, I think, is going to be fantastic. I yeah, I'm looking forward that. to that. George Carlin is such an important influence on so many, including me. Yeah, I love how our, two of our guests uh, are working on separate George Carlin projects. Gail Burns yeah, is doing amazing? the movie. Yeah. And, and um, Wayne is doing the, I believe it's H for HBO, the documentary. Well, George Carlin, he's going to be hip again. Thanks he to some of our it. guests. Absolutely. So that, that was great. Uh, we really enjoyed Wayne. We encourage you to buy his book, The History of Stand-Up Comedy from Mark Twain to Dave Chappelle. It's a great read. It's a quick read, but you, he covers a lot of ground. Um, yeah, no kidding. Yeah, and, and the whole idea that stand-up comedy started before we were born, you know, you, you never think of it that way. Oh, yeah. But he really does talk about the foundations of stand-up comedy. Yeah, those four seminal figures that, right. that, he, that he puts in there. It's great. Okay, until next week, this is Vinny Favalli. And Art Bell. For the Constant Comedy Podcast, we'll see you next week with another great show. Bye-bye. How was that?